You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We'll give you an edge to beat the spread and so much more. What do we call that? Wagertainment. It's You Better You Bet from BetQL. PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller filling in once again for Nick Costos and Ken Barkley here on this Wednesday. We will be with you for the next four hours. Got a great show playing. Going to talk a bunch of baseball today, pitchers and catchers reporting. So a lot of excitement with the opening day. Going to be here before we know it. So we'll look at that. Kenny Ducey is going to join us around four o'clock. Talk some baseball. Denton Day will also join us. Going to talk some NBA. Also look at college football dive into some of the off-season news that is happening um, in the college game. Pat Boyle will join us at 5.20 Eastern time. I'm going to talk some uh, college hoops and NBA with Pat. And then Ben Wittenstein will join us as well. Going to talk some NBA with Ben. So four great guests coming up over the next four hours. Mark and I alongside with you. You can listen to the show on Sirius Channel 160 and Sirius XM 205. You can also go to twitch.com backslash betql youtube um backslash odyssey sports you can watch for free on the odyssey app or go to betqlnetwork.com as well mark great to see you again how did the uh how the bets go last night did we make ourselves some money a little bit a little bit too much sweat and not enough profit last night so uh you know we hit the timberwolves they covered easily i thought that number was a little bit short you know against the portland team uh you know i like to target sometimes when you have a really strong team like minnesota playing a team that's very weak defensively um i i think the market can overreact there to the spot you know the situational spot so i played minnesota there that worked out my Kings let me down, the Sacramento Kings. Uh, no lighting the beam last night. They were right there at the end. Uh, a couple missed free throws down the stretch. They end up losing by five. We had the four and a half. So, um, so oh. close, but doesn't matter. It's a it's a minus in the old in the old uh, profit and loss. So, you know, Kings couldn't get it done. And DeAndre Ru- Russell was one bucket away from going over his points, rebounds, and assists. And, you know, with the game not being competitive, Against the Pistons, the Lakers had him on the bench instead of on the court cashing my bet. Yeah, that that unfortunately is a bad beat. I uh, I was in the college game. I went one and two last night. Iowa State under was was an easy one for us. That was good. I'm telling you, Mark, I really like this Iowa State team, man. They can defend. Their defense mm-hmm. travels. You were about scored that enough points. Yeah, they they look good. Uh, scored enough points to take down Cincinnati last night. That was a really good road win for them. Tough week. For Cincinnati, they had Houston at home, Iowa State at home this past week. Couldn't get a win in either of those games, so they remain squarely on the bubble. And then I, I, it was complete opposite stories in the other two games where you had San Diego State and Louisville. San Diego State, I had them minus five and a half. They got down to start the game 
uh, like 17-3 against Colorado State or something like that. They were down 14 at halftime. Then Colorado State only scores 14 points in the second half. And San Diego State comes back and beats them by like 17. It was insane. And then the other game, Louisville, I had them plus 9.5. They were up by like 10 in the first half. We're absolutely killing it. And then they end up losing by 12. BC had a big second half. So it's one of those nights in college hoops. You know, one of the games started off slow, ended up being on the right side. Louisville started fast and then uh, ended up being on the wrong side of that one. But the Iowa State under came through as well. So pretty decent night. We'll obviously get into some NBA games, some college slate games throughout the show today. Not really the best slate of college hoops games today. Some of these conferences, this is like the off week for a bunch of these teams. Like I know there are a couple different teams in the SEC who have already played 10 conference games. You have some that have played nine. Those teams that have only been able to play nine games are playing this week. Big 10, there are a couple games. Big 12 as well. So not the biggest slate, but uh, certainly we'll dive into that. NBA, pretty good slate. You got a couple teams who are on some back-to-backs. I know we were talking to that about that before the show, Mark. Like That's how you like to handicap Ooh. the NBA is when we have these injuries and sometimes you know the market kind of overreacts too much to some of these star players that are out for these teams. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's really how I attack the NBA. I just look for these market efficiencies for you know the, them to overreact to, whether it's a situational spot, bad travel spot, back-to-back, you know, lack of rest. Um, I like to target those. So it's it's a lot of underdogs. Sometimes it's favorites. Like I said, we saw last night with Minnesota. Number was a little bit short. Um, so we cashed that in. So, you know, it's it, 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 you know, it, it's not foolproof, you know, but just trying to pick off those uh, market inefficiencies. And by the end of the year, um, you know, it, it, it's, it should come out in the wash. We should be successful. So that's what I really like to look at. It's just trying to find out, like, hey, you know what? Like, this is a bad situation for this team, whether players are out, whether it's, you know, bad, you know, rest travel spot. Um, but the market might be kind of taking that into consideration a little too much. And that gives you an, op- an opportunity to play back on those teams. Mark, we got some breaking news here on the show. Just five minutes in, Ooh. our producer Alex is telling us that according to Adam Schefter, there's going to be a change in San Francisco. Steve Wilkes is going to be out as the 49ers defensive coordinator. So Wilkes obviously did a great job when he was with Carolina, took over as the interim head coach. They were like the worst team in football. And then he Mm -hmm. becomes the head coach, almost leads them to the playoffs. Personally, I thought he should have kept the job. They decided to go with Frank Reich. That turns out being a disaster. Lands a great gig as the D.C. of the Niners when D'Amico Ryans goes to take the head coaching gig in Houston. But now Wilkes is out, and uh, San Francisco – has to decide what they want to do at defensive coordinator. Really isn't surprise isn't a surprise after the postseason that San Francisco's defense had. Obviously weren't great against the Packers, weren't good at all against the Lions, especially in the first half. Super Bowl was definitely their best performance, but when they needed to get stops at the end of the game, their defense just couldn't come through for them. So obviously they'll be looking for a new defensive coordinator. Is there any chance that one of these former NFL head coaches maybe comes and coaches the defense for San Francisco? Like, could you see Vrabel taking a defensive job or can Belichick get a defensive job? Or do you think they go uh, they go elsewhere? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Belichick or Vrabel would kind of take that step down, um, you know, just to kind of get back into the league. I think they're probably better off just waiting and waiting for, you know, a better opportunity next year. Um, I'm surprised both of them are, are available. Uh, but I would think that San Francisco doesn't make this uh, move unless they have, you know, a good idea of, of what they want to do. And typically that means it's an internal promotion, um, you know, either that or, you know, they, they have their beat on somebody that is available in the market. Um, I think it's tough. Like, I like Wilkes. You mentioned, you know, what he did in, um, you know, Carolina, what he did in Arizona before that. You know, I, I, th- I think he's a really, really good coach. There did seem to be some kind of dissension, you know, during the playoffs. Uh, they did play very well in the Super Bowl, though. You know, listen, the holding – you know, Patrick Mahomes, the 25 points in an overtime game, not too shabby, but not good enough, right? So, you know, it seems like he might be the scapegoat here, you know, Niners getting rid of uh, Wilkes. But I will be interested to see, you know, what they do. I have a feeling they'll be promoting somebody internally. Typically when these moves happen, that's how it works out. Yeah, if I'm Carolina, Mark, I mean, I'm giving Steve Wilkes a call, seeing if he'd be willing to come back to the organization, right? He obviously has some familiarity with some players on that side of the ball. And that team just responded to him, like defense, offense. I know Bryce Young wasn't there when uh, when he was the interim head coach, but certainly Carolina's got a long way to go, and that team really responded to him in the second half. So, I mean, if you're David Tepper, like, you're just looking for any kind of answers at this point. Obviously, you bring in Dave Canales mm-hmm. as your new coach. But um, Wilkes, like you said, I, I mean, he's a good coach. He's going to land on his feet. He's going to get another job elsewhere. But if I'm the Panthers, like, I'd certainly entertain trying to bring him back into the organization. Um it's going to be interesting what the Niners do. I tend to agree with you that they probably do have a plan of what they want to do. They certainly could pr- promote from within. I wonder if for this upcoming season, though, even though this might be like the last hurrah for this group of 49ers, just because obviously they got a lot of superstars on their team and they're not going to be able to pay everybody. And there are only going to be so many years that you have of Brock Purdy on that rookie contract. They're probably, you know, they're clearly going to go all in. They're the favorites to win the Super Bowl next year. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. I wonder if, you know, Robert Sala, depending on the year that he has with the Jets, if Rodgers ends up playing, they miss the playoffs, another disappointing season. I wonder if Sala is gone in New York and then he comes back to coach the defense for San Francisco. Like, that's kind of what... I'm envisioning. I don't know if they have a guy in mind that they think really highly of in that building or elsewhere, but uh, seeing that news, like Sala was the first name that came to mind where I think maybe this year, just kind of a placeholder year, you bring in a guy maybe for one year that you think could do a job, and then you go back to Sala as kind of your your long-term solution for defensive coordinator for the next couple of years until maybe he gets another head coaching job somewhere. Yeah, it's definitely possible. I mean, the one thing I have with that is when I'm thinking it through, right? Like you mentioned, like this is really the all or nothing year for a San Francisco 49ers like coming up. So do you really want to have a placeholder defensive coordinator while you're waiting, hoping that, you know, Robert Salah um, becomes, you know, frees up? Uh, you know, if Salah is available now, I'd be like, sure, you know, let's connect the dots and do it. But that's my only question is it, it just seems like to me, you know, Wilkes is a guy who I I think is highly coveted around the league. Like, you know, everywhere he's gone, he's been able to build a culture. And I think that's going to be, uh, you know, a very, 
very attractive thing for, you know, some of these teams that are going to be drafting at the top of the draft, right? You know, so um, I, I think even bringing him in, if you have a defensive coordinator, you know, role, um, you know, already filled, if you're one of those teams, you know, that's looking to, you know, rebuild your team, bring in a guy like that, give him, you know, assistant, you know, uh, you know, positional coach, assistant head coach kind of role um, to get him in there you know, so the job becomes attractive for him and just have him have that impact that you talk about what he did in Carolina, how he impacted the players, how he was able to kind of, you know, build, you know, a good culture there. And I think that's what some of these, you know, uh, franchises that are struggling really need. Yeah, so that's uh, big news there to start the show. Steve Wilkes out as defensive coordinator for the 49ers, Adam Schefter reporting. So they'll be looking for a new D.C. heading into next season. Obviously, they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs, who celebrated with a parade today in downtown Kansas City. Mark, have you ever attended a championship parade? Did you see the Eagles one uh, a couple years back? Did you go to the Phillies one? Um, Have you been to one? How many have you been to one? Like, what was your favorite parade if you have been to one? Yeah, favorite one was definitely the Eagles, you know, after the 2017 season. It was just – it was so – overdue you know like we went through so much with Andy Reid and the four you know losing NFC championships and then getting to the Super Bowl and losing and then you know having the chance to get back there and win um it was just incredible and it it was a fun season like the the whole Nick Foles storyline Jason Kelsey's speech if you guys remember you know he got all dressed up in the mummers outfit and you know he did the speech um you know about how it was the whole team and you know he's calling out different players it was hysterical so the the parade was awesome it's an all-day affair it's tremendous it's something I'll remember you know for the rest of my life for sure so that's why you know when these teams get close and they lose like San Francisco it's heartbreaking because it's you know we talked about it yesterday legacy defining for these head coaches and um it's really it's really tough on the fans man because those parades are a real good time yeah, that Eagles parade looked like a lot of fun from a uh, outside perspective. The only one I've ever been to was when the Capitals won um, back in twenty nineteen. Okay. Yeah, twenty eighteen. I went to uh, I went to the parade. It was right here downtown DC. That was a lot of fun. Didn't make it to the Ravens parade when they won in twenty twelve. I stayed in school. Hindsight probably should have gone, but uh, yeah, it looks like it looks like a good time. Those parades. You always wonder for teams like Kansas City, right? Who have obviously won like a bunch. In, in a few mm-hmm. in a few years, like if people kind of keep going back, if they've already been to one, certainly the players enjoy it. Like people in the city enjoy it, but you wonder if they're like, you know, I've been uh, a couple of them. I don't need to go back again to see another one, kind of thing. But uh, they celebrate today with the parade downtown Kansas City after winning the Super Bowl. And then um, MLB pitchers and catchers have reported to spring training today in Florida or Arizona, wherever it might be. So springtime is is here. Opening day is right around the corner. Is this when it kind of starts to hit you, Mark, like when pitchers and catchers report, the social media team show the videos of them getting out of their car and walking into the, the park? Is that when it starts to get you a little bit? Yeah, it's when you realize football's over, man. It ain't coming back for a little while, right? <laughs> so um, it, it's always a different vibe, you know, when, when that starts. But it's fun. It's good. Like, that's, you know, it, we all love football. It, but, you know, when you get into this part of the season, you have so many different things going on. So we got the NBA. We got the NHL. We got Major League Baseball. You know, we got college hoops. So that's really good that you get to kind of take a deep breath, 
right? You know, you don't have to grind, you know, in football every week. And then you can kind of, you know, acquaint yourself into these other, uh, you know, sports that are going on because it's a lot of fun, man. March Madness right around the corner, probably, you know, we talked about the best sporting events, uh, you know, the year March Madness definitely right up there. If not number one, probably, you know, number two on everybody's list. So it's going to come quick, man. And it's going to be fun. We're going to have stuff flying around all the time. Certainly will. Yeah. It's crazy that pitchers and catchers are reporting baseball season. You know, it's a grind when you're in it and then it's over. Everybody is locked into football. And then, like you said, football's over. Baseball's back before you know it. Those guys are at spring training. So it's going to be great seeing some games here in a couple of weeks. All right. First segment in the books, Mark and I with you until seven o'clock Eastern time. Going to continue the, the NFL conversation we come back look at some of the nfl wide receivers who have some free agent decisions to make you better you bet presented by bet mgm pj and mark filling in for nick and ken we'll be right back with you better you bet presented by bet mgm on the bet ql network Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by Bets MGM on the BetQL Network. You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller, filling in for Nick and Ken here on a Wednesday. You guys can listen to us on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205. We're also on twitch.tv slash BetQL, YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports, and you can listen to us for free. Over on the Odyssey app, we will be over on Stadium at 4 o'clock Eastern time. We'll be there from 4 to 6, so make sure about 40 minutes or so you uh, you can go over to Stadium and watch us there as well. Getting ready to talk about some of the wide receivers who uh, will be available for free agency, possibly could be heading elsewhere to play for some new teams. But, uh, Mark, I thought you brought up a great point. We were talking in break. So, obviously, you're breaking down the, the, the Steve Wilkes news that just dropped about 10, 15 minutes ago. He's fired as the defensive coordinator of the 49ers. We got some news yesterday, though, that Anthony Lynn is going to be the new running game coordinator for the Washington Commanders. He joins Dan Quinn and that coaching staff in Washington and that immediately struck you as something that you think could be very profitable to betters. I think so. I mean, two of my favorite head coaches in the NFL were Dan Quinn and Anthony Lynn, just because it was they were so profitable to fade live because they weren't able to hold on the leads. You know, Lynn when he was with the Chargers and Quinn when he was with the Falcons. And now to see Quinn go out and hire him to – uh, you know, coach that, you know, be the run game coordinator. I, I just see this team anytime they have a lead in the second half, just being way too conservative, running the football, giving the other team chances to get back into it. So I think it's going to be tremendous for betters. Like I'm going to continue to fire on the commanders anytime they have a lead in the second half with these two guys, you know, running the show. I know they got uh, Cliff Kingsbury out there too, who I don't, you know, have a ton of confidence in as far as offensive coordinator. So um, I, I like that Washington is turning the page, you know, and, and getting some new people in there. But uh, some of these choices are going to be very interesting for betters for sure. Which is just so interesting, right? Because they really went out of their way to make sure this new ownership group, that they got it right with who they hired to make the decisions, right? They went mm-hmm. and got Bob Myers to help them out to make decisions. They obviously got one of the guy, Adam Peters, from San Francisco, and they, they knew how important this offseason was going to be because they have the number two pick 
going to bring in a new head coach. You got the organization, the fan base, just so excited that Snyder is finally gone. But uh, we'll see how it plays out on the field right now, though, Mark. I'm kind of with you. It's like you're going with Dan Quinn, like Anthony Lynn, yeah. Cliff Kingsbury. Like, like these are the people. I think Kingsbury is a good offensive mind. I think he's a good OC. I really think that Washington – they were sold that they were going to get Ben Johnson. Like I really do. I think mm-hmm. they no, were I convinced. Too, yeah. I think they were convinced he was going to be their coach. That's why they kind of were just playing coy with like everybody else. They took some interviews here and there, but really they were waiting for the Lions season to be over. And that's why they flew to Detroit and they were ready to make Ben Johnson their head coach. And then they're in the air and he says that he doesn't want the job. And I think their organization just completely went into panic mode and they looked mm-hmm. at the best available options. So, you know, we were just talking about like, what's San Francisco going to do with the defensive coordinator position? Are they going to try and hire somebody to be a long-term solution? Or are they just kind of looking for somebody maybe as like a one-year fix? I think Washington, again, like you're probably going to get Drake May or Caleb Williams. Do you really, I know it worked out for Houston getting Stroud and having D'Amico Ryans as their head coach, right? But obviously you had Slowick to help Stroud, and that's what they're hoping Kingsbury can be for whoever their quarterback is. But it's like, do, do we really think that they think that Dan Quinn's going to be the solution? Like, is that really the guy who they think is going to be their head coach? Or are they willing to wait another year for Ben Johnson? Are they willing to wait another year maybe for Bobby Slowick? See, who else of these candidates? Maybe Joe Brady in Buffalo is another great year with the Bills. Maybe he becomes a candidate, right? There are guys that pop up every season. So I don't know, Mark. I really think they wanted Ben Johnson. That was their guy. Mm-hmm. They didn't get him. They hired Quinn. And honestly, like it wouldn't surprise me if Quinn is maybe go- like just a one-year one year thing for them. One and done. Yeah, the challenge is, though, when you are Washington, when you are the Washington Commanders and you have the reputation that you have, right, you know, um, how attractive are you going to be after, you know, you you missed out on Ben Johnson, you signed Dan Quinn, you fire him after a year, right? It's already probably a little tougher of a conversation um, than it is for some other franchises to get head coaches to want to come to Washington. And now, you know, you're going to you're going to bring in Dan Quinn after it's supposed to be a new era, after you're supposed to be turning the page. And it, it, if he's going to get fired, it's going to be a failure, right? So one-year failure, and then you're going to move on. You're going to say, hey, we want you to come in like you're our real guy. Like, I think that makes it an even tougher sell. Like, you know, I'm glad that they're in prime position to get a franchise quarterback, but I don't even understand the Kingsbury thing. You know, PJ, I'd love to get your – take on this because you're a guy we talk about college football you know week in and week out even in the offseason um I, I thought the worst version of Caleb Williams we ever saw was the one that we saw with Cliff Kingsbury so I don't understand why people keep making this connection if I was you know I talked to Kate Constable all the time who's you know a, a Bears fan and I told her I said you I if I were you I would not want Kingsbury anywhere near Caleb Williams so I'm surprised that people are making that connection do you feel the same way or Is there something I'm missing here? Am I being a little too harsh on Cliff? Yeah, you know, I just, I think people look at Cliff's been with Caleb Williams. He obviously coached Mahomes in college. So he's kind of been around both guys. And they just think for whatever reason that, you know, now that he's in the NFL again, because he's been with Mahomes and he's been with Caleb and he might get Caleb again, that 
he's just going to be a great NFL player. I'm, I'm kind of with you though, right? Like Caleb Williams, certainly at USC. I mean, when he was at Oklahoma, like you could see the flashes then, then he goes to USC, wins the Heisman trophy, looks incredible. And then, you know, senior year, he just, there were games he played well. There were other games he would, he didn't play well, but certainly he was much better uh, in his Heisman year than, than he was last season. Um, it's it's interesting though, Washington. Like, yeah, I just felt like there was a breakdown in fundamentals with Williams. And, and listen, I'm not like these draft guys are much better, you know, breaking down their footwork or whatever. But it just seemed like a lot of bad habits, a lot of hero ball. The offense was very disjointed. It didn't seem like the play sequencing was good. That they were able to kind of put him, you know, that USC offense in position to succeed when they played better teams. Like, of course, you know, when they're playing you know, the bottom of the barrel in conference teams, they're going to put up a thousand points. But, you know, when, when they had the tough games on the schedule, you know, I, I thought the offense looked really rough, um, you know, in, in a conference to where it was filled with great offenses. You had Oregon, you had Washington, you know, teams really putting up a ton of points. But I thought that Williams regressed and regressed big time. And not just, it's not just about the results, but it was just how he looked. Like, it just seemed like, he was just, you know, going out there and chucking it up. The offensive line was poor. They really didn't have any way to kind of combat that. So um, I was very unimpressed with what Kingsbury did in USC. Now, Williams loves him. Like, on Instagram, he's like, hey, that's my guy. You know, very, um, you know, speaks very well, you know, kindly of Cliff Kingsbury. But I don't I don't think that's the long-term answer, especially at the NFL level. Like, if I was a team like Chicago or a team like Washington – I would be a little bit concerned about, you know, Cliff Kingsbury developing my quarterback. Like, yes, he's been around great quarterbacks, but he wasn't able to maximize their potential. And the early going, the early part of a quarterback's career is so important to their overall long-term success. You know, we're seeing it now with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Like, your landing spot is so important. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that Williams gets to a spot where they can kind of get him back to fundamentals and really maximize his talent. Yeah, and to your point, you know, about whether or not Washington's going to become an attractive job, like it really just does all come down to the quarterback position, right? Do you think Jim Harbaugh mm-hmm. is leaving Michigan to go to the Chargers if Justin Herbert wasn't the quarterback? You know what I mean? Like right. he sees a guy, he sees talent in L.A., and he knows if he can get the right formula, like they can contend. How many times have we – how many years in a row do we keep talking about the Chargers and how they win the Super Bowl in the offseason? Like on paper, mm-hmm. they could win that division. They could contend in the AFC. But they've had Anthony Lynn and Brandon Staley as their head coach. Now they bring in Harbaugh, and it's got a lot of people excited. So Washington's got to hit on their quarterback. And whether, you know, it's Caleb Williams and he falls to him, whether it's Drake May, Jaden Daniels, whoever it is, they end up taking – they got to get it right because even if they don't have a lot of wins this year, Mark, like getting the QB right is going to attract a bunch of head coaches who are going to want to play with that guy. Because as you know, too, I mean, the thing with the NFC East is a new team wins that division every single year. So you very Mm -hmm. easily with a good young quarterback can end up winning that division. So we'll see. Do you think it ends up being Drake May for the commanders? You think he he goes two? Caleb goes one? Yeah, yeah, I don't think there's any chance that Caleb drops. Like, I, I just think mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I to me right now, I think that it, it's Williams, May. Um, I think it gets interesting after that, you know, when you get into New England, do they take a quarterback? Do they go after a Jaden Daniels or, you know, possibly somebody else? Or do they draft Marvin Harrison Jr.? Um, you know, or do they trade out? 
you know, because they do want another quarterback and somebody wants to move up to get Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, there's a lot of things that can happen there. I personally think New England, like unless they're going to go out and make a push for a guy like Cousins or Fields, like I definitely think they should be taking a quarterback as good as Marvin Harrison Jr. is. Um, you need somebody to throw him the ball, right? You're not going to win unless you – you're not going to win with Mac Jones. So I'm, I'm kind of convinced there, right? Like, you know, so I think they need to move on from Jones. Um, but that's really where the draft gets interesting. But I think one and two is pretty much – you never want to say etched in stone, but I think it's pretty close, and I think it's going to be Williams and May. Yeah, I kind of tend to agree with you. And you were mentioning, like, those guys are going to need weapons to throw to. We have some some mm-hmm. big names, Mark, that are on uh, that are free agents this offseason, potentially could be with some new teams. We'll start with Mike Evans. And obviously Mike Evans has had a great career with Tampa, won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady, had a nice year this past season with Baker Mayfield. What do you think ends up happening with Mike Evans? Do you think he stays in Tampa Bay? for another year maybe signs a long-term deal or do you think maybe he goes elsewhere yeah I think he has to stay right like if I'm Tampa Bay like that has to be a priority I mean he's such an important part of that offense you know you look at Godwin and the injuries that he's had and some of the other guys guys like Mike Evans just don't come around so when you have him and again it's Evans is so critical to a quarterback like Baker Mayfield's success. So we want to talk about, you know, how, you know, Mayfield had a resurgence in Tampa Bay and we want to give him all the credit. Um, he wasn't throwing to Mike Evans in Carolina, right? So let's, let's be honest, you know, when he was in Carolina, there was no Mike Evans there. So it gets a little bit easier when you get those weapons around you. So I think that's important. If they want Mayfield to continue, uh, you know, a positive progression, to continue to make that next step, they, they can't pull Mike Evans away from him. So I think that has to be priority number one if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's a great point, especially because, you know, he's losing his offensive coordinator too, right? Dave Canales is off in mm-hmm. Carolina. So it's like you take away Baker's OC, who has a defensive head coach in Todd Bowles, and then you take away his number one wide receiver in Mike Evans. Like if Mike Evans leaves, I'm very much looking forward to fading Tampa Bay next year for sure because, you mm-hmm. know, Baker had a nice year. But it just it kind of feels like it's gonna it's like one of those one hit wonders where next year is gonna be some regression and then you're missing the play caller. Evans could be gone. So I'm with you. I think Tampa needs to do everything they can to keep Mike Evans in Tampa Bay. Ultimately, it's his decision though. And you know, I don't know. I mean, he probably will go to the team that wants to pay him the most amount of money. But if he wants to win, I uh, I certainly think there could be a chance that he ends up leaving. What about Michael Pittman Jr.? He's a free agent. Anthony Richardson looks like he could be a really good player. He showed some flashes. He got hurt at the early part of last season. Uh, what do you think Pittman does? Do you think he remains with Indianapolis, or uh, can you see him going somewhere else? Again, this is another situation where I think, you know, this receiver and his prototype is the perfect fit for your quarterback, right? You go out and draft Anthony Richardson. What do we know about Richardson coming into the year, you know, coming out of Florida? You know, it was going to be big explosive plays, huge arm down the field. And then, you know, he's going to have the mobility, that intermediate game needed polishing, needed development at the NFL level, right? So, you know, Pittman is, is your long guy. He's the guy that's going to stretch the field, get vertical, be able to jump up there and make catches. I mean, listen, when Carson Wentz was there and he was semi-successful, Pittman was the only reason. Carson Wentz would just throw it in the air and Pittman would go and get it, right? You know, or we'll get pass interference. So I think that he fits what Anthony Richardson does with that strong arm, the ability to make explosive plays down the field. 
too much to get rid of. Like, again, you, you this is about the quarterback's development and not prying away weapons that are going to make him successful. So I think there's another situation where Indy gets Richardson back next year after his rookie season. We could see a massive leap. They need Pittman there. Um, I, I feel like it's hard to duplicate that type of player if you're the Colts. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. Just because, again, like Richardson essentially will be kind of entering his rookie year next season, right? I mean, he certainly Mm -hmm. got a taste of the NFL, but he didn't – I don't remember which week he got hurt, but I know it was early on in the season. And Pittman's obviously a nice target. You you keep some continuity there. And, like, if you're Michael Pittman, like, you want to play in a Shane Steichen offense, right? I mean, you're going to put up points. They put up points – They put up points with Gardner Minshew last year. So you bring in Mm -hmm. Richardson, who's got all the arm talent in the world. I'm with you. I think uh, if I'm Michael Pittman, not only should the Colts want to keep him, but I think he should want to stay in Indianapolis Indianapolis as well. We'll break down some of these more wide receivers, whether or not we think they're going to stay or leave in free agency. You better, you bet. Presented by BetMGM, PJ Glasser, Mark Trumhill. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM, PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller, filling in for Nick and Ken here on Wednesday, wrapping up hour number one. Still three more hours till to go with you guys until 7 o'clock Eastern time. Kenny Ducey, our first guest of four today, on the show, going to join us at the top of the hour, 4 o'clock Eastern time. I'm going to talk some baseball with Kenny. That interview is also going to be on Stadium, so make sure you go to watchstadium.com. We will be over there starting at 4 o'clock. You can continue watching and listening to us, however, on twitch.tv slash betql, YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports, and then you can listen to us for free on the Odyssey app, Sirius Channel 160, and Sirius XM 205. So, Mark, before we went to break, we were talking about some of these wide receivers. Uh, We were talking about Michael Pittman, Mike Evans. We both think both of those guys should stay where they are in their current situations. Both teams should pay them to do so. What about Calvin Ridley? So, obviously, comes out of Alabama to the Falcons, has a nice couple years. Then he's suspended the entire year for gambling, traded to the Jaguars while all that's going on. Has a pretty good season with Trevor Lawrence and the Jags. What do you think the Jags end up doing with Ridley? Do you think he now looks for another team, or do you think he stays in Jacksonville? I think so. I I think he does look for another team. I don't know if I'm Jacksonville, if I want to really, you know, continue with that, you know, with with what Ridley's been doing. I just think the Jaguars' offense didn't look – you know, I think it's as solid as everybody expected this season. I didn't think they looked crisp, and I don't know if he helped them the way that they thought uh, he would. So um, I think they probably move on from Ridley, at least let him test the market and kind of see, you know, what uh, kind of number he can command in the open market. And then, you know, if it makes sense for them, you know, for them to bring him back. But uh, I was really underwhelmed at what Ridley did this year with Jacksonville. I thought I knew Jacksonville might not be able to repeat what they did, you know, the previous season. But I, I thought the struggles on offense, some of it was dictated by the offensive line, but it was really underwhelming. I thought Ridley's impact on this Jags offense. Yeah, especially in the second half of the season, and they really miss Christian Kirk. You know, when he got hurt, the mm-hmm. offense wasn't quite the same. I'm also, I just don't think Trevor Lawrence is as good as everybody else does. You know, I think we kind Mm -hmm. of appointed him too early in his career. 
um, out of Clemson, and we just thought he was going to be this next great thing. And last year, he had a great second half of the season, but this year, he, he really he wasn't that great. And, I mean, considering the lead that Jacksonville had in that division, right, and the fact that they couldn't even make the playoffs, um, it's pretty disappointing for the Jags. It's tough. You know, I think they're going to have to keep Calvin Ridley because that justifies them trading for him. You know what I mean? Like, to just kind of trade for him in the middle of the season and then you have one full year and then you just kind of let him go. Like, this isn't baseball where, you know, you trade prospects <laughs> to go all in for guys like a rental. You know what I mean? Like, if you have a franchise mm -hmm. quarterback that you believe in and you have Calvin Ridley, who sure, certainly has shown flashes of being a number one wide receiver, I think you have to keep them. So it's going to be interesting for Jacksonville. I know there are going to be a lot of teams that are interested. I'm sure Kansas City is probably interested. They're looking definitely for more wide receivers, but uh, we'll see what ends up. But I think if you're Jacksonville, you certainly have to look in keeping Calvin Ridley. What about Buffalo and Gabe Davis? They're going to have a lot of questions. There's some talks that they might be looking to trade Stefan Diggs. But Gabe Davis this year, Mark, was just your typical, like he was the definition of a boom or bust wide receiver. It felt like there were so many games where he literally didn't have a single catch. And then there were other games where he had like six catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. Like there was, there was no in between. He did either have great games or he would, he just, he wouldn't perform at all. And we all kind of thought he was going to take off after that game against Kansas city in the playoffs a couple of years ago, where he had those four touchdowns and you're like, man, Buffalo has found something like this guy's going to be the number two alongside Stefan Diggs. Like Buffalo is set. And now a lot of people, myself included, feel like the bills got to push the reset button on the wide receiver room. I think it starts with moving on from Gabe Davis. See if a change of scenery does him well, you got to use your money towards other things throughout your roster. So uh, I, I certainly do think Gabe Davis will be playing elsewhere next year and not with the Bills. Yeah, I agree with you. But Buffalo's interesting in the sense that, you know, the, uh, the offense lacked weapons. But when Gabe Davis, even though he was boomer bust, when he was missing, you could tell. So how do, how are they going to plan to overcome that? How what are they going to do in the offseason to kind of redo that wide receiving room? We know Diggs is on the decline. We know Gabe, uh, Gabe Davis wasn't really uh, consistent enough, you know, for what they needed out of him. But there has to be answers. Like you just can't move on from Gabe Davis. Understand that Diggs is going to have a lower role without a plan. So I'll be interested to see how they attack the offseason. I think it's definitely worth monitoring. Davis was a guy, again, that they really missed when he wasn't there, but he might not, he might be a guy who doesn't really command a lot in the open market. So it might make sense to bring him back. But I do feel like that those weapons that they have around Josh Allen need a definite shift. T. Higgins is going to be an interesting name this offseason. Now, it looks like Cincinnati's probably going to use the franchise tag on him, which I think is the mm -hmm. smart thing to do. They also have Tyler Boyd. As a free agent, me personally, Mark, I think the Bengals are going to let Tyler Boyd walk. You've obviously paid Joe Burrow. You're going to have to pay Jamar Chase. So I think Boyd walks. I think Higgins, they give the franchise tag to. And then I think Cincinnati drafts a receiver uh, this upcoming year in the draft. Probably pretty high. I don't know first round, but with this class, I certainly think they maybe take one in the second or third round. And they hope that they can find a really good rookie wide receiver to go along with Jamar Chase because I don't think they have any plans 
on uh, or any intentions on signing T. Higgins long term. I think they'll give him the franchise for this year. So they have their two good wide receivers to give Burrow. Um, and then I think they're hoping that they just find something in the draft and they're able to get a, a rookie wide receiver on like, you know, a rookie contract for the next couple of years while they're paying Burrow, while while they're paying Chase all this money. Um, so I think Higgins will be back this year. I think he's going to be sign a long-term deal somewhere else. And then Tyler Boyd, I think his time with the Bengals is probably over. That'd be perfect for Cincinnati. And I think it's leveraging the franchise tag the way it was intended to, right? Like they just need another year to get somebody in there that can kind of take over, you know, for, for what he's done and play with Jamar Chase. But so much on the line for the Bengals this year. I think they're so close. You know, they were the one team that was able to beat Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. So I don't know if they want to disrupt what they have going with Higgins, but bringing them back for one year, you pay them, you pay them well, and then look to, you know, draft somebody to kind of take his spot and move on. I, I think all that makes perfect sense. So I, I think you nailed it, PJ. Yeah, I, uh, I I was kind of getting nervous, Mark, at the uh, beginning of the season when Burrow was was hurt and he was banged up and the Bengals were like one and three, one and four. It looked like there was mm-hmm. a chance that maybe they were going to have one of the worst records in the league. I was scared as a Ravens fan that like they were going to get Marvin Harrison Jr. And I was like, could you imagine mm-hmm. Burrow <laughs> with Marvin Harrison and Jamar Chase? And like, that would not be good. So uh, obviously that's not going to happen now, but I, I think that's what they're going to end up doing. What about uh, Odell Beckham Jr.? You know, obviously he was out of the league for a little bit, takes the one-year deal with the Ravens, only has 35 receptions this past year. Do you think Odell comes back with Baltimore? Do you think he goes somewhere else? What do you think happens with him? I think there's going to be some tough conversations with Odell because I don't think his impact warranted the money that they paid him. And I don't think he's going to get it on the open market either. So uh, I think that's really what it comes down to. We'll see Odell probably hit the open market. They'll probably let him test free agency, see what he can command. And then maybe if it makes sense for them to match it, bring him back into the fold. But I don't think he's a needle mover. I think Zay Flowers is the guy there. They have Bateman. They, they, they have some playmakers around Lamar Jackson. I don't think... Uh, Beckham's going to move the needle. Beckham Jr. is going to move the needle in, in either direction. If they bring him back, it, it's okay, but it's got to be at a much reduced salary. I think he was, you know, definitely overpaid this year and, and didn't meet expectations, you know, when they brought him in. Yeah, I, I mean, Odell kind of acted like for this year's Ravens team, he was kind of like how Mark Ingram was for the Ravens in 2019, you know, when Ingram created like the big trust and all that, like, he was the guy mm-hmm. in the locker room who was just like, he was the veteran that everybody could lean on, could look to, that was trying to get everybody going. So, you know, there is something to be said for that. The Ravens obviously let Mark Ingram walk um, after that season. I certainly think they could try and do the same with Odell. They paid him a lot of money, and he didn't have too much production. He was banged up for most of the season. He had some nice games in the second half of the year, but – uh you know, obviously they found something in Zay Flowers. They finally hit on a rookie wide receiver, it looks like. Bateman, I think, could be really, really good. Him and Lamar just aren't on the same page yet. But if they ever get that rapport going, I think Bateman could be a really good receiver. So, I don't know. We'll see what the Ravens do. What's funny is Marquise Brown is a free agent this year as well. And Marquise and uh, Lamar are like their best friends, Hollywood. So right. um, we'll see. Maybe and he Roman comes back. was the issue with that, right? Like he didn't like Roman's yeah. offense, which is why he wanted out of there. Correct. Correct. So 
who knows, maybe they move out Odell and, and bring in Hollywood, even though I hope they don't do that because Hollywood and Odell are two different wide receivers at this point in their career. But we'll see what happens. As for the tight ends, some free agents available as well. Dalton Schultz, Hunter Henry, Noah Fant, Gerald Everett, Mike Gusecki, Austin Hooper. Hearing any of those tight ends, Mark, uh, you know, if you were a fan of a team, any of those guys that that you would want at the tight end position? Not really. Like I like I, I just feel like these guys have bounced around so much. You know, it's almost it sounds like they've all been on the Patriots. The Patriots been gobbling on tight ends every yeah, year literally. in free agency for so long. But I don't think there's anyone that really stands out that where there would be like a perfect fit for them uh, to get in there. I really think teams need to, you know, if they're drafting tight ends, they're developing them in their offense. You know, you can get them cheap. You can get them later in the draft. It's really not a great place to go to free agency. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Hunter Henry, Mike Gusecki, both Patriots. Austin Hooper, I maybe he played for I don't think he did, but uh, you're right. Obviously, these guys will, you know, most of them, a majority of them will find a team next season. These guys will become helpful, Mark, in fantasy football in like week 11 when you're dying for an extra tight end, right? Because somebody's on a bye mm -hmm. or, or one of your guys are hurt and you need to pick somebody up. So uh, we'll see. Certainly an interesting wide receiver class in free agency, the tight ends. Not so much. Starting hour number two with Kenny Ducey. He's going to join us next. We're going to talk some baseball. We'll be over on Stadium as well. If you want to watch us over there, watch Stadium.com. Hour two, You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM, coming up next.